Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you this evening? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing right. good. Uh, the heat came on the last couple of days because it has gotten cold. I turned it on like Sunday night. It hasn't been back on because it's, it's, it warmed up a little bit. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not fun at the new house because I went from having gas heat to electric heat, and um. The one thing you have to know if you've never had electric heat or you've only had one or the other is electric heat sucks balls. Oh. It is not good. It sucks compared to to gas yes. heat. It's just not as warm. Na, 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 na. The heat is on. Sorry, you guys started that and I got stuck for a minute. The one good thing, though, is you don't have to worry about like your furnace getting dirty as hell and having to change the air filter every that's also true. Month. Oh, at the old right. house, I used to have to like crawl into this corner and like, oh, it was it was terrible. Yep. Know exactly what that one's like. All right. So everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shoutouts taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one's gonna go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collar and Elbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four. Capital C and Corners, capital P and podcast to save 10% off your order. Oddly enough, with it getting colder, I'm sitting here rocking my collar and elbow hoodie because it's soft, it's comfy, and it's weather appropriate. It makes me happy because the 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 hoodie era of the year is one of my favorite times. It's just a great, comfortable way to relax at home. Our other shout-out. Um, the folks in Eastern Kentucky are still in the process of rebuilding because frankly, it's no longer shiny and, and, uh, attention getting to contribute to them anymore, but there are still people there that need the help. So if you would like to contribute, I'm going to recommend two places. The first one, if you want to contribute to a campaign where the money being raised is going directly to the people that need it, I'm going to tell you to go through Appalachian Apparel. And if you're looking for just a way to donate or contribute, then I'm going to tell you to start looking through Apple Shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot org, for information on places to start looking to contribute. With those shout-outs taken care of, we pass the ball to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know Orlando Cologne, Shad, my king of the ring. King of the ring. Matt? That sounds like a segue. It is a segue. It's very low. This was a, I didn't put it together like a really uh, funny joke. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did do something of a segue. 
Yeah. So um, this was a fan request. No, that's that's uh, not true. That's, this is friend no, of the show Justin's request. That's true. That okay. is also our contractually obligated mention of him for the show. <laughs> yes, yes. Um yeah, yes, this was a this was a request from Justin. And so Justin, this one's for you and what are we covering? Uh King of the Ring 1993, which would be not the first King of the Ring. It would be the first pay-per-view of King of the Ring, but there were I think there were two tournaments previously. There's the one well no, Harley Race didn't win a tournament. He just got crowned the king. Then Hacksaw Jim Duggan um won the first King of the Ring, I think, and then lost the crown to Haku. Okay. Or no, no, wait. It was some form of that, and I think Savage ended up with it or something. I don't know. Okay. So here we are. We are talking King of the Ring in 1993. Now, uh, this is, I guess, for lack of a better, but this is this is another uh, big event for Bret Hart. So you're going to hear a lot about him on this one. This I'll is kind of like a important event in like a big transitional year for the WWF. Like this is Raw hit the air in 1993. Um, this is when they're really trying to go with new stars for the first time um, and then panic and bring Hulk Hogan back and then give him the title. And then he immediately like fucks off and doesn't appear on TV for and unless it's like um pre-taped interviews for the yeah. next three months so it because i've watched the tv leading up to this and it's a very different field of the promotion like this is also like a month and a half after that infamous raw where one two three kid gets the upset on razor ramon and marty Jannetty returns and beats michaels for the intercontinental title you can kind of tell because uh Razor is a, he's in the first match and mm-hmm. the commentary team is like, oh, what people are chanting, chanting a one, two, three. Razor, it's like getting under his skin. And it's like, it, it didn't really, like, like as far as like the storyline goes, like, yeah, they're supposed to, uh, they're supposed to be noting that he had been beaten. Mm-hmm. And so, like, mention of, just the mention of one, two, three kid was going to, like, affect him. Yeah. And this show itself is really weird because this is, I think this is the first time they've like let Jim Ross loose on like a pay-per-view as the lead announcer. And um, I was telling Shad before the show, he kind of actually overpowers the product just by being there. And it feels very weird. It feels more like an NWA show because he really doesn't commentate on the, on the cartoony stuff and he plays it straight. And I would actually say I like this show a lot just because of, Jim Ross, and if we ever did like a court case of Jim Ross versus Lance Russell for goat status, um, I would actually put this show in evidence for Jim Ross's goat status because he he literally changes the face of a product just by existing. Yeah, I uh, I personally, I guess I've never I haven't seen enough Lance Russell, but I have seen some, and I do feel that. Jim Ross as a whole, I personally think is better. But that's I don't know if that's 
because I really truly think he's better or if it's just that I listened to a lot of him when I was younger when I got into wrestling he was like the guy um but I do feel like late 80s into into like late 90s Jim Ross like he was the best ironically like the the part that people love like when when it became like the attitude era that was when I hate him I I don't I don't hate him but that's when I actually like would say like he went down in quality uh, and this pay-per-view was was interesting, and I liked it because that like the earlier Jim Ross, like he had a style of delivery that mm-hmm. to me I found a lot better. Like and people, people, it, it it was kind of there a little bit when he in the Attitude Era, but ex- exactly what I mean is like he could be talking about something and then something would happen, action in the ring would happen. And it's not even like necessarily like a giant big spot, but he would raise his voice and get and talk more excitedly. And it like, would it would almost like wake you up and would get you into the match. I felt like invest you in it. It could be something like something simple. It could be like a Bret Hart, like throws, uh, throws razor to the rug. He got with an arm drag. He's shaking on the arm. And it's like, he all of a sudden he's like talking really excitedly and you're like, Whoa, whoa, what, what's going to happen? You think is is Razor going to submit? It's like no, he's just Red Hart's just working the arm. It's like not going to happen. But he also kind of um, believed, kind of bought into it for a second there because Jim Ross is like it's getting all excited and that makes you excited. At least it did mm-hmm. for me. He also he also is feisty. Like he did it to Heenan a little bit here and it didn't quite work because Heenan didn't know what to do. But like his like snarky quips at people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um really is different than a lot of people. Like he's not a pushover, but he's not like he doesn't do like the gorilla like big exasperated thing or like the Vince like I'm just dumb thing. Yeah. God, no he doesn't do like, that. Like um like Ross will just be calling it and then the color commentator will say something and then he'll like fire off like a one liner and go right back to like commentating. Like it's really you don't appreciate that as much in the Attitude Era because he's ramped up so much. But like in like that late 80s, early 90s thing, like the quipping and like the back and forth of people. Like I actually think I know people would say Lawler, but I, I think my favorite um, commentator to pair with Ross is, is Michael Hayes. OK, that's interesting because they have a really good chemistry and like they they did the UWF a lot. And I think. I think they really know how to bounce off of each other well. Actually, I think Cornette does really well with Ross too. I think that's fair. Uh, they've they're coming from a lot of the same places, so there's a, a lot of that interplay is kind of built in, I guess. That makes sense to me. Talk, just briefly talking about the commentary. Uh, I like I liked Ross. Um. Heenan was like subdued in this. Like he, he didn't. Maybe it's because you're right. Like he didn't have. He didn't. He didn't really understand Jim. Uh, so he didn't really. He wasn't able to like play off him. Like he was able to do with other uh, WWE announcers back in the day. But I actually, I actually was really feeling uh, Savage's commentary in this. Savage. I I usually hate Savage, but he responded really well to Jim Ross. He was like, "Wait, I can play yeah. this straight." Yes, yes. He doesn't have to be um, just crazy and over the top, and that he can 
he can talk like an expert in the ring. Yeah, because there, because yeah. he starts off being savage, and then like after the first match or two, he changes around the Luger and Tatanka match. He changes, and he's like, "Wait, I, I can, I don't have to do like all the Vince shit. Like I can just, I can just do this straight." And then he go, like he gets really comfortable with it. Because even yeah. even Heenan starts playing a little more straight too. Yeah. It helps. It, it it helps because I know I've enumerated in the past how much I just I just despised Vince McMahon doing the announcing, and it it drove me it drives me crazy. You know, and him being in someone's ear drives me crazy too. You say, and this was a nice change. You say that, but you liked him when we did the Bruno and Larry stuff because he but was that so was much just, more subdued. He, it was, and he was not leaning into his Vinceisms, I guess. He was having to try and cover for everything, which made him. Uh, he doesn't play well with. Do others. a better job. Yeah. Well, and well, he wasn't. He wasn't in charge either. He had to. He was playing by daddy's rules too. That's that's true. That's very true. Uh, I forgot about that for a minute. But I thought I thought he really changed this up. So we go into the first match. And so um, I have to admit, I've been pretty critical of Bret Hart on this show. And I do think he gets a little predictable in the ring. But that's why I liked the Razor and Bret match so much, because he really broke formula in this. That's true. This was not your standard Bret Hart match. Like they really smartly executed their signature spots where they should go. And I liked I liked the story they went with where the first bit of it is Brett is desperately trying to keep Razor off his feet because he knows like he doesn't want to stand with him. Right. Uh, just in general, like I wish you preface this, like this is basically like the Bret Hart pay-per-view. Like, yes, it is. There's several matches. There's nine matches on the show, uh, three of them with Brett. And there's a, some of the other matches are like decent to good. A couple of them are. But uh, it's really the Brett show. And it really does highlight how good he was. He probably gets, what, 45 to 50 minutes of in-ring in this? That sounds about right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he does very different. Each match is very different. Um, he shows a lot of flexibility. I would say... I would say we watched a lot of stuff of him and my view of him has stayed pretty stagnant. And this, I'd say, was like the first thing we've done where my estimation of him went up quite a bit. So one, if if I was going to nitpick on Brett uh, for something in this, something that he, that keeps happening in in a lot in. At least two, if not all three of his matches that bugged me was Brett keeps working the arm. And it's like, dude, I like, you can make a case for it with razor that if he works the arm, then razor can't do the razor's edge. Okay. Fair enough. I thought, I thought the arm and the razor match was just about keeping him down too. It wasn't necessarily, I felt like, well, like this isn't going to figure into the finish, but I'm going to wear him down and keep him off his feet. And then I'll figure it out from there. But I felt like with razor, it was about, this is the easiest way to keep him off his feet. And that's what I'm going to go for. That's what I felt like that. What the, the strategy was there. Maybe so. It's just it's something that stuck on me a little bit. And Razor uh, likes to punch too, so I think it does make sense to 
Yeah, it, it's just, I don't know. I would have figured, or I would have expected, that with the story being keeping Razor down so that he can wear him out and put him away, that he would have gone after the leg more and used that to keep him down to put him away as opposed to going for the arm because it's easier or it's handy or it's right there or something. But I think, I think they would, they also, he, he defended the title against razor at the rumble. So I bet if we watch that, there might be some contextual okay. things to the arm too. If I had to guess the way he is. Well, then that's, that's just taking these, taking the show on its own merits. That's, Something that jumped at me, but on the other hand, it's also not big enough to ruin it. It's just something I look at, and from uh, someone of Brett's reputation, it made me scratch my head. I thought Razor bumped really well for him in this. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. Like, I don't think, I think, um, I don't think this is probably the second best match on the show. Um, second or third? Uh, uh, yeah, we can make that argument. I have one in here that might surprise you that I put higher up, but we'll get to that. Because we're in we're in agreement what the best match on the show was, right? Oh, I think we are. Okay. I don't think it'll be. No, because that was like a lot of arguments. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's me. If I was going to have a, a criticism to throw, that's where it is. And that's not even really all that big, like we've said. So. Do you want to go to a low point in the show then? Oh God. A low point in the show is putting it very politely. So this is, uh, Mr. Hughes versus, um, with Harvey Whippleman, we should say versus Mr. Perfect. I want to, I want to mention, um, I know Mr. Hughes's gimmick is mean mugging and stuff, and he's okay at that. But I thought um, just Shawn Michaels cutting a promo with Diesel standing there mean mugging. I'm like, huh, he's a lot better at that than Mr. Hughes is. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, he is. Look, I I should not be as hard on him as I'm about to be for the simple reason that I did the mean mung and bodyguard gimmick but man mr hughes on my screen does not need to be there he like, is five years into his career at this point and he is stiff as hell in everything that he does Yeah, because this yeah. so if you want to know what this match is like this is mr perfect literally trying to kill himself to make this match watchable while hughes kind of just stands there and even yeah that's See, that was the problem. Like, it was – this match was so damn slow and plotting. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Henning was trying his best, and it's like he, – Hughes can't even, like, do, like, a, a, a badass, like, beatdown. No. I mean, because they did that – they showed the thing with him beating down The Undertaker and Paul Bear with the urn, which is really bad. And yep. then he hit Henning with it to get the DQ, and it looked bad. Yeah, it's it's just bad. It's like I don't. How do you not? How do you how do you you're, look? You're the only thing that's really going for for Hughes was his size, and it's like mm-hmm. how do you make it look 
you just look bad doing that. Yeah. Like it's because you, really you have to do the bare minimum. Every movement he made looks stiff and unnatural and like he was playing at being a wrestler as opposed to being a wrestler. And I think he's just a better bodyguard, honestly. Like he's supposed to just kind of stand there and get involved and like bump maybe once or twice and maybe hit someone. And I think at that he's fine, but like expecting him to put together a six minute match, especially is just ridiculous. Oh well, yeah. That one wasn't happening. Um, Has anyone he, ever sucked so bad and gotten a run in all three of the major promotions in the nineties? Like he did all three of them. Oh, that is because he did. Question. He did WCW. He did WWF more than once. And he did ECW. Man, I don't know. Well, I don't know if he wrestled in ECW. And remember, he wrestled in um, what was it? Alperstein's um, AWF. Oh, that's right. He did, didn't he? Well, he's better than Nails. I'll give him that. Oh, well, that's that's just about everyone. That's damning with sincerely faint praise. Yeah. But yeah, you're not wrong. Um, here, I I got a I got a hands hands down concrete example on how bad Hughes was here. The um. There is a spot where Perfect hits the ropes and comes back, and they're doing a leapfrog spot, and they do two leapfrogs back-to-back. Hughes damn near botches the leapfrogs, and when I say damn near botches the leapfrogs, he's not the one doing the leapfrog. He does not bend over properly for a leapfrog. Like, Henning has to pull some some midair adjustments not to go down balls first right into Hughes's nose right like and I'm like how I am perplexed I am honestly baffled as to how you screw up a leapfrog when you're not doing the leap like someone doing a leapfrog who can't get the air for it you shouldn't be doing that spot but at least I kind of understand how it could happen I am blown away by I'm doing a leapfrog spot. I almost screwed it up because I didn't bend over properly. Come on, man. Seriously. Since we're talking about like bodyguards and and mean mugging, Mm -hmm. like Shad, you said you were mean mugging. Like, did, did you ever try to do like the big Bubba Rogers type of thing? Because I don't feel like he mean mugged so much to just look, stand there looking at posing. Yeah, I, I think I can I can find a picture and send you very quickly, Matt, just for reference sake. But okay, there was something to be said about Big Bubba Rogers. He just like just would stand there like looking imposing because he was so damn big at the time. Yeah, uh, and I think that the uh, like the black like the black glasses like did mm-hmm. did work. Yeah. So there, okay, I just like that. You just sent me two picks. Like the first pick, you were kind of do like the big Bubba Rogers thing. Yeah. And then the second pick was just kind of a promotional pick of me doing security. But the idea was, I I wore black. I had a sneer. I wore sunglasses. You know, I'm I'm doing a, a mean mugging bodyguard bit. 
but I was able to do more when uh, I was able to do more when uh, when it was called for. You know, I could I could bump. <laughs> so this yeah, this match was they Hughes botches a slam like right somewhere in the middle of it. And then I didn't I honest to God, I didn't understand why they did a DQ finish. Was it that Mr. Hughes couldn't take the perfect plex, or... I think they just were protecting him. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know it's either. Just, it's, it's, it's a dumb finish, and I don't like it. Well, why, would you, why, do you, why do you need Mr. Hughes when you have Bam Bam Bigelow on the roster? I wish I had a good answer for you. But I honestly don't know what Hughes was supposed to accomplish here. Yeah, so anyway, speaking of Bam Bam Bigelow, up next we have Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who I think Duggan's pretty much on his way out at this point. I'm going to be honest with you, I really liked bam bam bigelow versus hacksaw jim duggan well, here you know, so, i will not lie to you i i messaged you guys where i'm like this was kind of a good match wasn't it there's a yeah there's a from like may on raw i think there's two matches there is a perplexingly good like Shawn michaels versus hacksaw jim duggan icy title match on raw from like may of this year and michaels sucked in this era like there, like yeah. so duggan was kind of having a decent year in the ring this match is uh, really – it's a really good power match between these two. Duggan is just amazingly over. I hate Bam Bam's music. And they just kind of had this this power showdown and had this big, big, hot, awesome match without really having to honestly do much. Yeah, this uh, dare I say it, guys? This was a little bit of a Haas match. Yeah. Uh, you can and and I know this was like he did stuff with 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 WCW, um, but I will say like he had been he had been in the WWF slash WWE for a while, so it's like probably what it's like time for Duggan to move on and, and do something fresh. But and you kind of would see. I saw glimpses in here of like, well, yeah, I get it. I get it. Why at one point, like Duggan was like, like a big deal in like the UWF, like in a different universe, like he could have actually been like a, a, a probably a much bigger star than he was. Like he actually had some talent. He had some. He understood how to work as like a, just a big man, like a deceptive big man, because it's not as if he was like seven feet tall. He mm-hmm. wasn't like four hundred pounds. He was just like a big raw bone, like dude. But you could see it. Like I could see it. Like, he was, he could like go in there and believably be like an ass kicker. And he was just so over. You know, he, he was so popular through this stretch. It's almost, it's it's almost baffling as to how how over he was. It's just like, dude, everything you do, the crowd's just you know, on fire for. Well, I mean, we've talked about him before, I feel. Like, he's... He's actually, like, ridiculously charismatic. In yeah, life. yeah. And he's, uh... 
he's also very wholesome. <laughs> he shared like his social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media can be a crapshoot. Usually, it's not a good thing for uh, our society, for humanity in general. But like, it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan's social media is actually like a, a bit of wholesomeness that you need in your life on a daily basis, perhaps, because he. Everything he posts is just like about how much he loves his family. Like, oh, yeah. I got my wife, and he's like showing his wife, and like they're all doing something fun. Or it's the holidays, and he's like showing his kids. Like he's like a, just a good, good family man, good good husband. Like really appreciates uh, and appreciates the fans. Like he'll have a lot of wholesome content uh, content about the fans. So yes. he's yes, someone who it's like he seems to have went out of the business i mean i guess he's does still makes appearances you know obviously like fan stuff but he he seems to have come away from it with not bitter and jaded but very appreciative of everything he's got like <laughs> the best con scam ever oh it's brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant yes it is they're yes, talking it... about the only one that was better was the rock and roll express um, according to Jericho and SMW, because they would just bring these like white sheets and they'd rip part of it off and like sign it and then say it was a bandana and charge people like 20 bucks for it. They, yeah, they were Rock and Roll Express headbands. Yeah. And then just he, from out of, out of an old bed sheet. And, and my favorite part of that, though, was I, I, I think I've told it on air before, but it, you've heard this interview, right, Chad? Uh, I think so. And he, I want to. Keep going so I can make so, sure I'm so on he, the... Like, he and Lance Storm are there working, and these crazy, like, hillbillies gave him, like, some oh. VHS tape. Oh. And they're doing all this weird shit, but he said, like, on their barn is, like, a picture of Jesus. And above Jesus is, like, this giant picture of the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, Ricky Morton was up there above Jesus. They yeah. were putting him over. <clears throat> yeah, that that was... Jericho's book referred to them and said the, the tape was labeled strange mountain people or something like that and and i also love about that story is because they're doing those um those vignettes to introduce them and he's like i hate it and he was like i was like i was going to cornet and be like can you at least let us get hotter girls yes in that that initial one yeah um so anyway they have a they have a hell of a match and i don't remember exactly how bam bam won but this is this is fun to watch. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. So it, this was a fun one. Yeah. yeah. And you know the the surprises kept on going because the next match match surprised me too, which is Lex Luger versus Tatanka. And I was kind of like, eh, like okay, like we're gonna come down on this one. But um. This is a spot where I think Jim Ross actually made this match better because he wasn't cartooning it. He was talking about them like legitimate athletes. But so this goes this goes for a 15 minute time limit draw. And they were really good at not killing time and like telegraphing that it was a time limit draw. Like I Mm -hmm. realized when they said it had gone 11 minutes and and Ross made sure to note that I'm like, oh, they're going to go. They're going to go to the time limit here. But, like, they did a good job, and they they got more desperate as the time was, like, coming to a close. That's yeah. something that I actually really appreciated this. They actually, like, the, the layout of this match was done pretty well. Because they, they weren't, like, they weren't putzing around, but it was clear, like, they, there wasn't, like, a, a super impetus to, like, get stuff done early. Which, obviously, 
they knew at the time that they're going to time the Matrasa. Like you, but you didn't know that as a fan or as watching it at home, like you didn't know that. So it's just the match going on, but they were doing a pretty good job. They did lean. They tried to lean into not Ross, but they tried to lean into the whole like gimmicky crap. Mm-hmm. Like every few minutes, like their like brain and, and Savage were like calling Luke narcissist. Cause that was like the dumb gimmick that they had him do. God. Um, it was really bad, uh, but I did like the final sequence because it's like once they Ross started mentioning on commentary how they didn't have a whole lot of time left. They had like maybe a couple minutes left. That's when they started like to bring it up into gear, and it, it there was like this uh, desperation to try and get stuff done, at least by Luger. I mean, Taco was trying to win too, but it was more on Luger's part. Luger was like and, throwing bombs at him, like he was trying to yeah. put him away with like everything. Yeah. Tatanka was on the defensive for most of that stretch. So Luger having the the impetus to try and, and put this sucker away so he could advance makes sense. Cause, you know, he's in the driver's seat and he's just like, oh, oh, damn it, damn it, damn it. We got to I got to finish this off. <clears throat> it really kind of or, pisses me off that um, WWF Luger didn't use the torture act. That was so stupid. That's typical Vince crap, though. Yeah, was he using? Uh, I had been told in my younger days, and honestly, it never occurred to me to ask. But was he using the torture rack before? Yes, he used that all the way back in like the eighties. Okay, wow. And then he switched. So when he went to heel in like the early nineties with Harley Race, he started using the pile driver. I knew he was using the um, the forearm because that actually. Okay, so the Luger's gimmick was just kind of there for this, but the whole story about him having the ref making him put on the pad to have the match because of the um, they never came right out and said you know he's got the plate in his forearm, but they were like no he's got the unfair advantage and all that sort of stuff. No, he Ross explained that he had the plate in his arm. I just missed it. Okay, because because um I like that they did that and the pad was interesting, but then. The logic kind of broke down because they hand him this pad. I'm like, well, if he hits you with that, like you're still getting hit with the fucking. The fucking steel part anyway, like it's just some extra padding, like you're still going to take that. That hit Mm -hmm. to the face, like I just it didn't work for me, like visually. I think the problem is they gave him like a soft pad, which isn't going to stop shit. So I think that's where my problem was. Was his finisher in the WWE uh, like a forearm? Yeah, I think it was a forearm. Okay. My wife, um, by the way, was like watching because I, I watched a little bit of this like Sunday night and then I watched the rest on Monday night. My wife like with, with like sitting on the couch with me, like doing other stuff. But she was I was having it uh, the show go on. She was like throwing in commentary and asking questions. And I was getting like increasingly annoyed and like you're heckling me. You're <laughs> you're heckling me because I had to be like explaining the whole like gimmick of Lex Luger. She's like, Who's that guy? That guy's like really muscular. And like that's Lex Luger at the time. He was part he had just come off like the bodybuilding federation. The IBF exp- or whatever. I think it was like the WBF, right? Did the you see bodybuilding federation? Yeah, did you see the Ico Pro banners up? No, no, I missed that. <laughs> Yeah, I saw an Ico ah, Pro. Hilarious. I was like, wow, that's that was probably still hanging on. Uh, uh, I had explained to her what the, the WDBF was, and that's like, I hadn't thought about that in like 
25 years so i had to think about that and explain what was going on um but it was this was actually like a pretty good match uh that was made better by jim ross i thought that uh you brought up like i i do think that him trying to bring up like the uh the actual like background of folks like actually like legitimate sport background and stuff did add a little to it he was doing that all night by the way i don't know if you caught it no i did he didn't made a comment at some point yeah uh, but like every like pretty much almost every worker if they had had some sort of background uh either in professional or in college like football like he brought it up like the mr hughes match i don't i don't care about mr hughes he was bad he was not that good and like jim ross is like oh mr hughes he was worked he like he played for this, and he's like naming the uh, the uh, the football team he played for back in the day. He's like, yeah, he's the most sanctioned, disciplined athlete. It's like, okay, that kind of adds something, but you know, no one necessarily cares. But I did, I did like it here, yeah, because I did think that Luger, Luger and Tatanka, like getting away from the whole like cartoonish gimmicky stuff. Like I thought it was better. It helped. It helped to focus on the action, which was good. Yeah. My takeaway from the uh, with the adding on is that honestly, Luger's gimmick, the the whole narcissist thing, wasn't that over. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm listening to the crowd when he comes out and he's doing his stuff, and the crowd doesn't seem to care. No, they don't give a shit. And they, you get Tatanka out there, and they're kind of into Tatanka, but they don't they don't care about Luger's narcissist stuff. You, I know you guys were talking about the elbow pad thing, but they cared about that, and so they cared about him when he was working, like when yes, when he was getting heat on Tatanka, and when it was getting closer. Like that's where you can really see the disconnect of WWE Luger is like, they don't give a shit about the gimmick, but he's, he worked them into caring about him, but they still don't care about the gimmick. And let's be honest for a second. What is this gimmick supposed to do? The guy is in just staggeringly phenomenal shape. There's no question about that. And so his gimmick is I look good and I stand in front of the mirror. Like, where do you go with that? Because they never, like, played a pretty boy aspect of it or anything. It was just, Luger's really in shape, and he shows off that he's in shape. And it's like, okay, like, the the name probably sounded good to Vince, but the gimmicks puddle deep. And, like, what, what kind of promos are he, is he supposed to cut? Right? Yeah. It's, it's, but that's the typical what Vince was doing at the time, though. Like, there was a dead-end gimmick. I mean, I think that's why they abandoned it in six months. I heard an interview that Raven did. He said, if you're going to have a heel and you're going to hit that heel with a nickname, you got to make sure that nickname is actually insulting. They were calling Luger Flexi Lexi. It's like, well, aside from that, just kind of sounding dumb. Why would that be insulting? Why? Why is that a problem? Yeah, his name is Lex. He flexes his big muscles. What are we doing here? It, it, It didn't really like do much, but when. Piper had um, Raven come in and he was doing commentary for him. He says, the first what I want you to do is whenever the cameras start rolling, I want you to be picking your nose. And Raven's like, why? He goes, trust me. 
And so he was immediately over because the crowd, he was Scotty Flamingo, but the crowd started calling him Snotty Flamingo instead. It's like, okay, that's a nickname you get mad over. That's a nickname you get pissed off about having. What what about or what what are you, what is it you're going to throw at Luger that he's going to be upset about when you chanted at him? There's there's not anything. Yeah, I mean he just he again I he was he just came off of like a bodybuilding like stint. Mm-hmm. Like he was being a legit bodybuilder in a federation. Uh, why why would we be calling him like Flexi Lexi like offend him? Yeah, he I should don't be, get it. He 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 could have. This is this would have been more smart for the time, but if that that was something that was happening like right now, he could just look at the at one promo like he could end that. He could yeah. just have a live mic in front of him and like look at the the fans and be like, "Yeah, I do flex because I'm in great shape. I'm not like one of you fat neck beards out there." And like he could have been, <laughs> he could have just shut all that down. He and, he like, wanted those he um he wanted those fat. Dayton sweat hogs to keep there it down it while he takes off his robe. <laughs> That's exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing, Brad. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, man. All I'll take is one promo where he's like, "Oh, you want to call me Flexi Lexi? I am, cause I can, and you can't. You know, perfect." But he would have gotten over and would have gotten heat too, because people. Oh yeah. Would have hated him for that. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. So uh, we go backstage. And um, I'm sure Vince was very upset because this segment had continuity. So it's an interview with Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. And things are a little tense. And, and Perfect keeps saying, like, I owe you one for SummerSlam 91. I'm like, oh, Vince probably hated they brought up something from two years ago. So during some of the matches, they had little drop-in interview things, which I thought was kind of a nice touch where they – they went to Bret Hart during the Mr. Perfect, uh, Mr. Hughes match and said, you know, who would you rather face? And Bret says, well, I'm more of a fan of how perfect works. And but I think I, I don't even remember what it was. Did he say he thought he could handle Hughes better? Or? Yeah, I think that's what he said. And so there and they did that. Bam, bam. She's like, I don't care who it is. I'm going to squash him. They go back to do this backstage thing where you got Hart and Perfect in front of each other, and Mean Gene is starting some shit. I know. Mean Gene's a little <laughs> asshole in this. <laughs> he's like, didn't you say you hoped that Mr. Perfect lost? Because be, he's like, well, that's not what I said. And I'm sitting there going, no, that's not what he said, Gene. And Gene's like, hey, Mr. Perfect, he called you a loser. And the I doo doo head and that and Perfect's like, what are you saying? I mean, Brett's like, that's not what I'm saying. He goes, oh really? That's what. So, so of course you'd cover for it now. And Mean Gene's like, why don't you just punch him? Just punch. You know, he's not really saying mean that. Gene's, <laughs> mean Gene's an underappreciated. Like people think he's like an empty hype man, but he does a lot. Like, um, pervy old man. Mean Gene is my favorite. <laughs> Like there's that one I think Sh- Sherry had something quite um shall we say revealing on I think he was staring at her ass the whole time. Was he doing a gimmick at that point or was that just No, that's just me, what we do like there's me, me, me. there's there's like an episode of Championship <laughs> Wrestling from like 85 and he's interviewing 
he's interviewing like Don Morocco and he's talking about how he's going to go surfing in Hawaii. Like, and there's going to be these like chubby beach babes. And I mean, she's like, are, are they really chubby? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, like they're the chubbiest ladies you'll ever see it. And like just the glee, like the look in his face is hilarious. <laughs> he's just a lecherous old man. But like when he cracks up to like the, the, um, like the one with uh with like um with Schultz. Booker. No, but the one um, Oh that one. I know which one you're talking about. The, the I some wanted of the, a woman. Yeah, some of the outtakes though, the one where like Mean Gene has like I mean where Iron Sheik has the turkey and he like he started he like fake spits on it and then like almost drops it like Mean Gene is just losing his shit. Like stuff like that's like where I love him. Or um what's or the you know the the infamous SummerSlam '89 one, where he's oh, like, where the thing kept falling down. Yeah, and he's like, "Fuck it!" Like, yeah, on air. That's one. Of, that's yeah. a good one too. So this is um, I would say this is the best match of the show. Oh, oh my god, by far. Yeah. Oh the 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 oh I gotta throw one other thing. This promo between Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect even included the my dad could beat up your dad, like grade school argument. Yeah. <laughs> I just appreciated the fact that they threw that in there just to for for us to get full pettiness levels. Yeah. Now, there's a bit I like and Heenan pointed this out. But so Bret has two of his fingers taped up to kind of sell that he got hurt a bit in the first match. And he does this in the third match where he kind of sells the sequential damage, which we praised um, Trevor Murdoch for in the NWA TV title tournament. Like, yes, back at um, was that hard times in 2020? I don't. I think that was the pay per view. It will. It was the pay per view, but I don't remember the name of it. I think it was hard times. We'll say it's hard okay. times. Fair enough. Not a tyrus to be seen on that show. That no, none. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so this is really good. And Henning, it's interesting. Henning obviously plays the heel here, and the crowd still cheers him. Mm-hmm. He he starts. Um, his healing starts kind of slight. It's it's not like he comes out of the gate being a heel. But it progresses as the match goes on. And some of it's just aggression, too. Like, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. pure heel. But, man, he takes that that bump he took off, like, when he failed the perfect plex, and he just gets launched over the top rope. Yeah. Henning would do these crazy, like, oversells. And usually, like, an oversell, like, oftentimes if someone oversells, like, he could take you out of the match. Like, not mm-hmm. so with Henning. Like, he, he would somehow be able to do it in a way that seemed like kind of believable and also just, just add it to the match. Yeah. My, my favorite of his that someone should steal is like where he would be doing the knee lifts to the guy and he'd go for that last one and the guy would move and he would just like pretty much banana peel right onto his ass. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was, um, there is in the course of this match, perfect in his healing for the most part. I'll put a caveat on it is not doing like evil heel stuff. He's doing cutting things that are he, yes, he's doing things that are legal 
and he's taking advantage of it. Like there is a section where Hart is on the apron and Perfect doesn't hit him or throw him. He grabs the ropes and shakes them and Hart bumps clear down to the railing. Hey, he does you some might... he does some dick things though cuz he remember when he opens the ropes for Hart to get back in the ring and then kicks him like as soon as he's like through the ropes. Right. But for a lot of the match he's not necessarily doing that. He's doing the the shortcut stuff. And it's it's like the it's him saying, "Oh, I don't want to get disqualified here." I want to win this, but I don't want to get DQ'd. He's doing what I wish Brett had done with British Bulldog. Yeah. At SummerSlam 92. Would have made a world of difference. What is it, Davey? (laughs) I can't do it. Why can't you do it? I've been smoking crack. have never listened to laps fan you just have to go and listen to that that episode yeah talking about SummerSlam 92 it's it's still like the best thing they even just have clips of it of that commentary on like youtube yeah yeah but this was uh, this was by far the best match on the show oh yeah yes it was so good um and and i told both of you like they if you transplanted this out of time and put it like stack this up with matches today, mm-hmm. which you know Meltzer is like handing stars out like candy. Yeah, uh, and he really probably shouldn't, but I mean, like it, you could if you compared this to matches from today, it would hold up. Yeah, like it it is as great as anything you would see today. It's just a fantastic match. It the is psychology of it. Yeah, the technical prowess, like the bumping, the story they were trying to tell it's like just a fantastic match i wouldn't give it five stars but it's excellent it's an excellent match and it I, is very good i like how henning is obviously pissed when he loses but then he goes back in and they kind of do the quick like handshake yeah and make up like i liked yeah i like that I, I also really liked the finish on this match the way that this match ended i really i liked because it was not just like hey the match it was this progression. It was heart winning by being smart. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there is just the the perfect plex counter into what we into the pin that we got was a just I love I thought it was the perfect finish for the match. I did not like the way they chose to do the roll up spot. Like I had a brief complaint with that. It looked a little awkward. Um, yeah. But that was my biggest complaint with it. Like I think I would have rathered. Um, they did that differently because it was like it was like a small package and Brett like rolled it weird, which mm-hmm. I didn't. It didn't feel like he should have been able to like reverse it the way wait. he did. Wait, is that the one I'm thinking of? Or um, no, I'm thinking of this one wrong because wasn't it? Uh, I'm I, I've I've got this wrong because Brett like henning goes for the small package and brett just rolls it over doesn't he yeah but it's really okay. weird and awkward the way they did it it didn't come off awkward to me but it, it really it really felt weird to me i don't know i think it's just a taste thing on that but i, I liked it a lot i just i liked it but i kind of didn't like to finish in for that reason and i also didn't like it because this is this is the second small package 
mm-hmm. uh, by Brad in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like I I wouldn't have booked a second small package win for anyone on the same pay-per-view. He should have, have at like least gotten one. his finisher on one of the matches in the tournament. Yeah, that's I, I true. Understand if you want to keep like Henning like strong, then mm-hmm. you could have contrived some other way that he could have like done it. I mean, you could yeah, you could even kind of do like the really you could ape yourself and you could do the whole like uh, Davy Boy Brett finish from uh, SummerSlam '92. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Henning could have gotten like a sunset flip or something, and Brett just like like pinned his pinned his arms and legs together. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But we got what we got, and it was still good. Yeah. So uh, is this? The, oh yeah. What was Brad, that, Matt? Crap. Brad, I was gonna say like flashing back to something you said earlier. Like I actually thought the commentary on this match was strong, and in particular Savage. I thought. This is where he like, he was really starting to come out and shine. He, I guess he got more comfortable, but he he had strayed away from like cartoony stuff. I and, thought Heenan was strong in this match too. Yeah, they, they. I feel like the commentary was the best probably in this match. It was the best match, but I mean it was they they all seemed to be clicking. Yeah. Because Ross shuts the fuck up for the next match. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is this is what I call the really out of place thing on this show. So this is um. This is Yokozuna challenging Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. Now, this is really out of place. Like, Hogan cuts like a Hogan promo, and it doesn't fit with how the show has been up to this point. Um, They come out, and they do this match. Um, Jim Ross really doesn't say a lot because it's too too cartoony for his taste. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just don't think they gave him a lot to work with. So, they... um, they kind of try and subvert the Hogan like formula here. And it just does not work. Like you can even tell there's a point where Hogan switches gears, like towards the end of the match, because he realizes what they're doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what Hogan wanted to do is when he started doing that, I think, but I don't, I just don't think it would have worked. I think he wanted to go stiff to try and like, salvage it and i just don't think that was because it kind of goes from like them doing like the hogan stuff then to hogan just trying to chop him down with Mm clotheslines and big boots and i think it got a little better when they switched to that but you can definitely see a point where hogan's like ah this isn't working yeah um and do we do we know who the cameraman was that like blinded hogan i do not know. Because that was really dumb. The, this was a not good match. Uh, and, and I don't know why. I mean, was it just to protect Hogan? Hogan but was working it, hard. That was the thing that perplexed me. Usually when he works hard, like, you get something decent out of it. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know why they did the finish that they did. It was an overbooked mess. And it's just, it didn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. I don't know. Because for I, those who have never seen this, it's like, uh, they sold, they sold like throughout the match that there were camera people there from the Orient to, to you know, filming Yokozuna and, and capturing everything that he was doing, like up, leading up to this match. 
And so then, like, towards the end of the match, like, Hogan has Yoko down, and it looks like looks like he's going to, like, you know, take advantage. Fuji distracts the ref. Some dude who's obviously, like, a guy in a fake beard and everything like that gets up there onto the to like the the apron of the ring and he's like gonna take a photo with like an old they looked like an old timey camera to me like a flashbulb yeah and jimmy tries jimmy hart tries to get him down off the apron and he's the guy's kind of like mildly kicking at jimmy like chewing him away and then hogan it's clear that hogan is supposed to draw attention to that so he's like he's like pointing at that he's like whoa what's going on here and then the cameraman's uh, flash goes off in Hogan's face. It's just a fireball at him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what – I don't know either, like, who that was. Like, it seemed like it should have been somebody, but I, I don't know. I tried to look it up on Wikipedia, and it just says a photographer, so I don't think we ever mm. – It was just somebody that was a plant. It was whoever was – whoever um, whoever interfered in that hell in the cell with Boss Man – no, wait. Where was it? What was that one where they like? Did they ever reveal who like lifted the? It was Boss Man, but he was sitting in the back talking to Undertaker and missed his cue. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But um, the I don't. This is this is a contemporary gag. But did you see that Hogan tried to uh, Orange Cassidy his way out of that bear hug? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yokozuna's got him on the bear hook and he starts sliding his hands down in it and then Yoko squeezes him so Hogan just pulls his arms out and I'm like dude you had to, you had to get him all the way down there but he didn't do that I thought um I thought Heenan saved that spot though because he because Savage was kind of like well he turned sideways and Heenan's like well that can be worse yeah that Honestly. was that's worse because you're able to get a hold of the ribs better and stuff yeah I thought I thought Savage was actually really good for this um, match. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 he. There is a lot of um, backstory and characterization to his commentary for this. Yeah, because they were talking about you've held the, uh, you know, you've held the title twice before. You uh, you know what it's like. You know what kind of pressure's on that sort of stuff. And you can tell he's still salty that Yokozuna prevented him from getting a title shot by winning the Rumble. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this is not good, yeah. and I was glad when it was over, and it was too yes. long. I was glad when it, it was, was over as well. This was a this was long. Like it shouldn't. Have been yeah. This long. And then the next. How long was this? Like ten. Thirteen minutes. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So then the next match is what I would call the piss break match. So this is the Steiners and Guns beating um, Money Inc. and the Head Shrinkers. So in this one, this it, it bothered me all night, but it stood out even more in this match that the how loose the ring ropes were bothered the hell out of me. Um, you know they're out there doing so, and the the top rope is so loose. I'm just like. Ah, you are making me so nervous. I only remember from this match that DiBiase was taking some nasty bumps. He was. Um, we also had. Well, something the thing that caught me about this match is for the most part, they kept a pretty good pace going most of the time. Yeah, uh, they did. And they didn't they they swapped people out they kept the offense going they kept stuff moving it was pretty good 
you could definitely compare the growth of not only Billy Kun but Fatu to their later gimmicks and how much better they were later on. Um, it's it. There's nothing really on the line for this match, but it was it was still a fun watch. I do I do like that Heenan was upset at Jim Ross for saying that Billy Gunn got a rodeo scholarship to Sam Houston <laughs> yeah. University. Funny though, that is where Billy Gunn went to college. Yeah. A fun little bit of, of character background. But uh I actually thought this was a decent match. Mm-hmm. Uh even if it was like a piss break match. I thought it was fine. Um, I thought it was a, if if you're gonna do something with them, I felt it was like a fine uh, showcase, was, I guess, of the the tag teams in your division. It was perfectly acceptable filler fluff. Yeah. Now I will say the next match was also this was a match of surprise. <laughs> this is a night of surprisingly decent matches. So the next match I was actually dreading, which is Shawn Michaels defending the IC title against Crush. And I was pleasantly surprised by this match. Uh, This is is back when he was Kona Crush. He was in his day glow bright attire. The 90s threw up on him Mm -hmm. look. And Savage kept saying Shaka Bra. Is that what he kept saying? (laughs) Shaka Bra. Yeah, I was just like, Jesus Christ. I don't even know what that means. He also had the worst finisher, which was like that head thing at the time. Yeah, he had that, that... Tilt a whirl slam that was his finish when he went to WCW, but he was yeah he was crushed so he had to have the head crush finish and it's like oh god this I I enjoyed this match considerably less than than the tag match but part of that was I I'm looking at some of this and I'm super bleh on like a bunch of crushes offense because he goes through one of the most Basic ass um, offense strings, and it drives me crazy because I'm watching this and it's like crush on the offense. Here he comes, trip. Michael's bump trip. Michael's bump trip. Michael's bump arm drag. And I'm like, did you just get out of wrestling school, dude? What are you doing? Like, no, honest to God, what what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I, d- I did a leg trip. I was like, I I can see that. But what what quite honestly, what the shit, man? Like Mike, Michaels wasn't good in this area either, so it was yeah. it was a miracle this was watchable. Also Diesel looked super out of place with his like faded acid wash attire for oh, this. Yeah. One. I don't know what I don't know what his attire was. <laughs> He wasn't wearing like biker stuff or chaps or anything like that. He just looked. It was ash. It was ashen washed. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, um, I'm not feeling this. Now, then the the MVP of of the match shows up towards the end, which is Doink smoking doink. a cigar. Oh yeah. And, uh, and clone Doink. With, yeah, clone uh, Doink too, or the Doink that cost Crush the match at Mania. Yes. Uh, and that kind of led to the finish here. It was like he he distracted Crush, uh, which allowed Michaels to do like a super kick to the music. back of the head. Yeah, to the back. He was still doing the teardrop at this point, so 
super kick wasn't a Ugh. finisher. Now um, the, I will say though, wasn't, wasn't Doink too like Steve Kern in this? It looked like Steve Kern. It might have been, yeah. I did like the this this is my favorite moment of 1993 where Doink comes out with a broken arm. And then when oh, yeah. Crush turns his back, he pulls his arm off and proceeds to beat him with it. That that's my <laughs> that's my favorite moment of the year. Yeah, Doink was a very underrated in terms of like as a as a worker, obviously because Matt Borm is actually like a really good worker, but it's just a gimmick. Yeah, like, the, I kind of the 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 Kurt Henning versus Doink trilogy for the qualifying for the King of the Ring are really good. From like May. Mm-hmm. Doink, it, I I kind of have an affinity sometimes for like evil clowns because he's supposed to be an evil clown, but and obviously it was, there's some some sort of meta commentary about how Vince was supposed to be like laughing, making fun of the fans who were complaining that stuff in the WWE was too cartoonish. Yeah. But I thought it was really good. I and Doink's music is like. Oh yeah, the evil like it. It yeah. starts out all happy and then da, it goes da, like da, dark da, and da, 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 like the the carnival music. And then all of a sudden it turns into like really sinister. Yeah. yeah. You see him like frown and act, do like the fake cry. Like it's, it's just brilliant stuff. Like Matt Bourne was really on. He was yeah. Really on to something. And then they turned him face and brought in Dink, and it was just down. Just missed the point. And. If you've ever been to like a, a low budget indie show from about 1997 to about 2010, you probably saw someone in a Doink costume claiming to be Doink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever did you ever work a show with a fake Doink, Shad? I did. I did not. Um, interestingly, there is someone in the town that I live who had a stint where he was a uh, Kirkland British Bulldog for spots <laughs> like that. Nice. Now, there was a there was an indie that I don't think exists anymore that was here forever. It, you know, they never drew anything or a big deal, but they had a doink. Did they? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was there a guy, uh, Alabama doink or something like that? Yeah, who was doing deathmatch stuff. That's hilarious. Oh, I, don't he was doing, I don't know if he was doing deathmatch stuff. He could have been. He was doing some street fight stuff because it was like they were out, like going back and forth across the street. And one of them body slammed the other one on top of a of a car hood or something like that. It, it was it was an odd thing to watch. He came back and wrestled Benoit on a show, didn't he? Or no, he and he came back and he did the when Heath Slater was doing the the Legend Killer thing too. Okay, all right, I did not remember that one, but uh, I think that's the only one he won was against Doink. And it, that was not Matt Bourne. I think Matt Bourne was dead by then. Okay, uh, I no 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 he might have. Matt Bourne died in 2013, so it was around that. But no, it wouldn't have been him. I think they, I think they just put any old schlub in like a Doink costume if they need him. Oh, okay. Because no. he wasn't even he wasn't even the Doink that was there in like '94, and I don't remember who that was. Uh, he has an impact that has reached out to like 
I guess modern times because not specifically dressing up as, as Doink, obviously, but uh, Dan Housen, who's now with AEW, like I, mm-hmm. I, this might have been during the period a while back where Dan Housen had broken his leg and was able to to wrestle himself. But he did like an indie show. I don't know if it's like a Black Label Pro or uh, Game Changer Wrestling. I don't know. I, I forget who the promotion was. But he did a match where it was a, it was like a, an eight man tag, a four way match, and it's like he it, the match was billed as Danhausen and Danhausen and Danhausen and Danhausen, <laughs> four Danhausens versus like four opponents. And you're like, wh- as soon as they announced it, I'm like, what's this gonna be? Like, I, I gotta see what's going on here. And they did kind of like the whole like four doinks type of thing that they did at Survivor Series. Uh, they they just had four like well known indie wrestlers basically dress up as Danhausen like with the Danhausen makeup and everything like that like and they they wrestled like a an eight a eight man tag <laughs> against like the, the opponents and it was obviously done with a lot of comedy but um, oh. it it was hilarious I forget who they all were Alabama Doink died in 2018 oh wow, why. I don't know. He he wrestled at the 2018 Joey Janela's Spring Break in the Clusterfuck. Mm. I don't know. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. I just I was looking at portrayals of Doink. Fair enough. Because uh, I guess it was Steve Kern was that one. Steve Lombardi did it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray Licamelli was the one, or Ray Apollo was the one that replaced Bourne. Mark Starr did it for a show. Jeff Jarrett did it once. Ace Darling did it for a couple years. Then Dusty Wolf did it on the indie shows off and on for like 15 years. Nick Dinsmore did it against Benoit. And huh. um, there's an unknown person that did the 2020 Money in the Bank. And then Dwayne Henderson was Alabama Doink. I see. And Jericho it, uh, dressed as him once. <laughs> was it uh, was it this Ray Apollo guy who was actually like Doink and Dink together? Yeah, he was he was that Doink, and I think that was Steve okay. Lombardi some too. He wasn't as good at all. Yeah. Right. Right. So then we get to the main event, um, which is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bret Hart. Bret Hart is now limping along with his like with his finger injury to, you know, sell the further damage. Um, this was the worst of the Bret matches, but it was still pretty good. I did not like the dusty finish on this at all. No, I didn't either. Because for me, it pissed me off because it's like, well, you had Bret win the King of the Ring, but you kind of buried him in the process because someone got a visual pinfall on him, which was fucking dumb. And really, I don't think, I don't think like based on the rules of wrestling, I don't think that that should have warranted a restart anyway. I am honestly kind of lost as the point is because it doesn't make Bam Bam look stronger. He benefited from outside interference. Why not just have Brett win? Yeah, that's what I don't get. Because why is it so hard that he went up to do that top rope headbutt and Brett just moved and then jumped on top of him and got the the win? Right? Yeah. 
It's just, it just it made both of them look stupid. Like Brett got pinned, which buries like it kind of buried him. I thought in the process, like it took away, it took away a huge part of him winning the King of the Ring. Like it 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 tarnished it greatly, right. and Bam Bam just looks bad. Yeah, it 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 does not do anybody any favors, and so yeah, I don't. I, I I don't like it. Now I I liked the the victory roll for the win. I thought that was a a good choice because Brett's battered and he's not doing well, and uh, he's you know trying to hang on and he comes up with a, a way to pin Bigelow that that works. I like that. Yeah, the finish was fine. I just it, he should have he should have got he should have moved when Bam Bam went for the top rope headbutt. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's when uh, when I would have uh, turned the tide on it. Yeah, it just the it just problem, did not like it. The problem is that if you look at like the next, which uh, is SummerSlam, mm-hmm. like it, the Bigelow appears in the card, he's in a tag match. Uh, it's a, it, like a six man tag. It's like so you didn't even have him. You didn't even like do something with this where it's like you have him like feuding. They had like a, a big paper match like at the next pay per view. Like you don't even do that. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And looking at this actually, like we'll, we'll talk about it. It's a, they had that pay per view had like Brett versus Young Scary Wicker. Like it, it's I don't know. I I would not have done that. Right. If Brett wrestles Doink on SummerSlam, oh, and on SummerSlam. Jerry Lawler. Yeah. I'm looking at that card. Well, oh God, this card looks terrible. It doesn't look good. Uh, talking about the ending here, like Brett wins, obviously, and I think he was a great choice for the first, first air quote, King of the Ring winner. Um, but then he had Lawler come out and confront him because he's like, you know, you should. Right, like basically recognize me as the true king of the WWE, and this was so. This was almost like an old school Memphis or Southern style promotion, like confrontation. And Lawler looks so badass here because he's just he just beats the hell out of out of Brett. Now it's like Brett had already wrestled three times, so you can make the argument that he was a uh, you know beyond fatigue, but it still made Lawler look like like a badass. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really do much of, of anything with him in the WWE. F such WWE. Like they, he basically was like every match he was in was pretty much like he was treated as like a chump. I, this made I I don't know I I think I had forgotten about the Waller thing because I was like oh this is why they did the kiss my foot match that I always thought was a dumb gimmick like that makes perfect sense in context now mm-hmm. why Brett did that like okay like that makes a lot of sense. But no, like Lawler was always kind of like a bitch, and this I was like, oh man, like he, this is like Memphis Jerry. Like, if they could have just, if they could have just contained, like kept that energy with him, they could have really done something with him. Yeah. Because, because it was like, oh, like they don't have, like in this part, in this show especially, it's like, wow, like he's a heel, he's got some bite to him, like they're really lacking that, like it, it just, they could have done so much with him. 
But I thought it was a good angle, especially yes. for this era. It was a good angle yeah, to end the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think this is this the Survivor Series this year where they do the the team Brett versus Lawler and his um his court. Yeah. Uh, let me look it up. Uh, oh yes, yes, yes. It was the Hearts uh, versus. Well, this is supposed to be Lawler, but I think wasn't he he wasn't in trouble, so he got replaced by Shawn Michaels. I think so, yeah, because yeah, yeah. um. I think Jeff Gaylord is one, and is uh, Kane yeah. one of them? I don't remember. I, I know. I remember like Gaylord was one. Yeah. The Hulk. Uh, and this is the one that's famous because it's it's the hearts uh, of which Brett and Owen, of course, are good, but then Bruce and Keith are just like not good. And I think Bruce started tried to go into business for himself. Like, like the, he like may try to like interject himself more in the match than he should have. Yeah, that because that. he thought he was gonna get hired. It's like no, no. Like there's no. like two good hearts. Yeah, yeah. Not one of them. And if if Bruce like honestly, I would just hire Brian Blair. Yeah. Because <laughs> <of> <laughs> Brian Blair actually is good. Yeah. But so let's uh let's discuss so. This is very much like how I feel every WWF show we review in this era is, which is like, I think we always say, well, the good stuff was good, but the bad stuff was really bad. And it's yeah. always about what the ratio of that is. And I thought this was actually a pretty strong show, minus two-ish things. So I, I had a lot of fun with this. I like Jim Ross's commentary. So I would give this a pretty strong thumbs up on my end. I don't know that I give it like a super strong thumbs up, but I would say that that the good outweighs the bad. Like the, all every all three Brett matches are good to great. Mm-hmm. So like even the the Bam Bam one is like they were working a like a big man match there, and they're really selling that Brett was like just fatigued and had the piss beat out of him in this match. But it it worked. Like it was really good. Like every match. Like, told a story and the story like kind of got built as the pay-per-view went and this pay-per-view like it's you're watching it because brett like this is the brett pay-per-view basically the brett showcase yeah like, every yeah. all three of the matches so he's in like he's in a third of the matches of this show and they were all like good to great yeah he wrestles probably a good 45 to 50 minutes on this show mm-hmm. yeah and i thought that the the bam the Bam Bam Duggan match, the Tatanka Luger match, uh, those were like pretty decent. The Sean Crush match was also pretty fine. It was to me, it was more of a TV match, but it wasn't actively bad. No, you're so not gonna, the, you're not gonna, you'll watch it and be amused by it. Like it's entertaining. Yeah. So three of the matches for Brett, good to great. Those three matches that I just mentioned are at least like decent to to like pleasantly surprising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last three matches are not good, but that's okay. Like, well, they're not. The tag match I thought was fine, but it's like they're not. The tag match exists, I would say. Yeah, they're not something that you go out of your way to see. No. But that's not bad. Where it's like you have, you have nine matches. A third of them are good to great. A second third of them are at least like, like pretty decent to, to, to fairly fairly decent, like fairly good, like. That's a pretty good ratio. A two-thirds mm-hmm. of the show is like 
perfectly fine. So I would not give it a strong thumbs up. It's like outside of the Brett matches, like if you really probably skip everything else, even though three of those matches are fine. Yeah. But it's I would I do give it thumbs up. I did think the commentary was was good. I thought they were trying something here. So I would overall give the whole thing a a, a, a thumbs up for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. If you were going to skip stuff, then yeah, that would be fine. Um, so you know, yeah, I will give it. I'll give it a thumbs up. My only complaint about the Brett stuff is I, I I do wish he had won with his finish in one of these, but other than that, great. Like hey. this is this is the kind of Brett Hart stuff that you know that that you go yeah Brett was really good. Here's you, examples. These were all in one night. If you buy into like the he wrestles the same match all the time, or you have some preconceived notions, I'd say this is a good show to watch because he. He goes out and has three very different matches. Mm-hmm. So it, it's good. Yes, it is good. And it showcases that bread is good. Um, so, you know, absolutely worth your time. I don't, I think he gets a bad rap sometimes. Like, I don't think he does. I don't think he works the same match. He gives like himself, he, he really doesn't do himself any favors. Well, I know we, we, we criticize people nowadays. Like, or get my shit in. Yeah. But I think part of the reason why people say that is because Brett would have like the five moves of dooms and just incorporate those into like almost every like big match. I think everyone yeah. though had five moves of doom in that era of WC. I mean of WWF though. Like so, I I think I'm I think that might be an unfair criticism because I think everyone had that. It was also the purpose of having those five moves was. That you were when you saw him starting to hit those, you knew he was building towards the sharpshooter. So you, it was supposed to be a way of of heightening the tension. It's like, oh, we're coming up on the end of the match and increasing the excitement. And you know, he didn't. He had some that he would do the the same sequence in, but then there were some of them that. Uh, he did not, and they were a different, uh, you know, he would do it in a different order and that sort of stuff. I think, too, with WWF especially, like, he was wrestling a lot of stiffs, too. So I think I think if we watch stuff like where he wrestled, like, maybe Waltman or, or um, Hakushi or even, like, Razor, where they could feed him properly and bump for him, I bet he went away from that a lot. Mm-hmm. It, he was he was able to vary it more because, like yeah. you said, there were a lot of stiffs in this time. Because I felt like I felt like I mean, you could tell he liked all the matches, but like the Razor one, you could kind of see he was really excited. It's like, oh man, like Razor can bump for me, and you know, I can do this and that. Like it, um, yeah. You could really see like the gears turning in his head on that one because he was just excited to work with him. Mhm. And it was a yeah, it was good. So. Well, I believe that wraps us for this episode. Uh, like we said, this was a request. So if you have a request, send it our way. We would love to hear from you. Um, any other parting thoughts, guys? I don't think so. No, I, mean, I it think... Was, it was nice to see, like, basically, like, a showcase paper. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's true. 
So everybody out there, we would love to hear from you about this. Uh, we would love to hear from you on request. Please hit us on our social media. And so this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.